This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today we're going to do something very different. My team and I have come together to design a COVID-19 survival guide series to help you navigate this new normal during an unprecedented global pandemic. We'll be featuring health and wellness experts, business and career thought leaders, and a variety of guests who can help you survive and we hope thrive as you continue on this roller coaster journey of the coronavirus. And today I'm delighted to welcome a guest back to the show. Dr. Joan Rosenberg has been with us before and shared such incredible wisdom. I was so thrilled when she uh, agreed to come back again. She's a best selling author and a master clinician, a cutting edge psychologist, and she's known as an innovative thinker and an acclaimed speaker and trainer. Dr. Joan, welcome back. Thank you for being with me today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I don't know about you, but it's my first global pandemic. How about you? <laughs> and, and I shouldn't say that with sarcasm. My gosh, this is impacting the entire world. So help us uh, put this in context. How do you frame what people are experiencing right now? You know, I, and right at the very beginning, Carolyn, I saw this as a time of profound loss. And, and because not only were we facing the insidious virus and kind of this invisible threat, but we were experiencing and are experiencing the downturn of our economy simultaneously. Uh, and, and, you know, if I throw a third element in there, there's also some political instability. So, so that we, the, just the losses almost become too numerous to mention, but if we, we have loss of work and wages, we have loss of life, we have um, loss of uh, uh, human touch, we have loss of the freedom to go outside and, and connect with people. And then we have the loss of things like familiar, loss of routine, loss of predictability and a sense of security. So the, it, it, and even, even loss of things that we imagine, right? Commence, commencements, weddings, uh, other, other kinds of celebrations. So that, so that uh, tr trips that people plan to take so that, so that it, it really has been a time of profound loss. Yeah. And, and just the lack of certainty, right? I mean, we're, we're smack in the middle of shelter in place and, you and I were saying before the show started, we're seeing pockets of the country start to open, but there's such uncertainty there, right? There's so much that uh, we can't predict, even with great data and, and new testing information. So what kind of reactions are, are we seeing or what kind of reactions can we expect to see as things move forward? Well, you know, the, the first thing I would say is it's two, two things right off the bat. One is to understand that there are, the initial reactions may have been one of shock. So <clears throat> things like um, uh, confusion uh, or rage or feeling frozen or numb or a, a variety of reactions that would have started out looking like that. And, and I think as time has gone on, it, I, I, again, in tied more directly into the feelings that are tied to loss would be feelings like sadness or helplessness or anger or disappointment, or frustration, 
and and I see, and the longer it lasts, I think that we'll, we'll, the more we'll see that kind of those kinds of feelings amp up. So let me tap your psychologist expertise. Do you think it's important that we that we name those emotions, right? And that we say it out loud because I know some people, myself included, have these moments of real fear, right? And and I think there's a a, a brave front that we often put out there to protect others and maybe ourselves. And I see that in professional settings a lot. Everybody in my realm is saying, it's going to be okay. We'll get through it. Hunker down. Right. And, and again, I think that the fear is a normal reaction in the face of uncertainty. Right. So, so yes, I think that, and those, those who are truly not resourced, meaning they've lost work, they've lost wages, they're, uh, their home, the, the, being in the home that they've been in is uncertain. They may not have food or they may not have very many friends. Those who are more poorly resourced, I would expect the level of fear to be much higher. And, and where people are more fully resourced, meaning they have work, they have wages, they have food, and they have friends, then I would actually invite them to start to think a little bit differently about what they're going through <clears throat> because uh, you know th- if uh, one of the ways I, I really try to also help people see this time is not not only is it one sorry about that just drop something okay. no um, worries the, the not only is it a time of profound loss but it I think of it as a time where people are more in touch with their sense of vulnerability this mm. idea this idea that I could be hurt. Is, is and that's the way I kind of think about uh, vulnerability is that it's also a time where not only are we legitimately feeling more vulnerable again because of the economic downturn because of this invisible insidious threat of the virus but it's it's also uh, that that not not only are we as I said a more legitimately a threat now we may be feeling the intensity of our vulnerability and more aware of it in ways that we aren't typically on a day-to-day basis. I'm really grateful for you helping me reframe what I initially indicated was fear, because now that I hear you say, you know, maybe it is sadness or helplessness or even anger at times, because my basic needs are met. And, and you know, I wake up some days and I just feel so grateful. I'm employed. I have food. I have loved ones. I have a house that I'm safe and comfortable in, and I'm healthy. Right, so I I have so much, uh, so thank you. That was an important reframe yeah, no, for and me. So, and I and I think thank you. I think and I think what happens is if you if you know that you're well resourced, then understand this as a, a like a combined experience of of all the feelings that I was talking about relative to loss, as well as this sense of vulnerability. And I think yeah. it kind of quiets and just naming it makes a big difference in terms of helping us calm down a little bit. Yeah, agreed. So you talk about a number of things that people can engage in to really make a difference right now. Can you walk us through some of those? Yeah, I, you know, the first thing, and I, my hope is that many people have already done this by now since it's we're four to five weeks in or better, is that it was is doing what I call calendarizing, meaning mm. create a routine. That the, the more you can establish a sense of routine, the, the, the routine creates a sense of order, order creates a sense of predictability, and often this sense of predictability invites a sense of calm. 
So the, the first thing that I would have people do is to is to create that establish a routine or create a, a good schedule for yourself and for the kids or whatever it might be, as if you were still going to work outside the home. Uh, another would be to uh, understand this is a time of completion. So if there's projects that remain outstanding, that that you continue with those projects or complete those projects. It's also a time of creativity. So if there are things that people want to go back to, people have picked up old habits or old talents where they are painting again or they're playing the guitar again or those kinds of things. It's a, again, if you're well-resourced, then it's, uh, it's a time of contribution. So mm-hmm. I would look for ways that you can give or give back and and also, uh, let's see, there's, there's a few other things that people, the other things I want people to do is absolutely to stay well connected to others and to stay in community. So the, there's a variety of things that people can do to really stay, help themselves stay a little bit more stable, even given these uncertain times. Joan, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your Working Life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So I hear the term resilience a lot these days, and I'm also hearing the term the new normal. And part of me gets frustrated with that because I think there is nothing normal about this. And I, I appreciate the premise, right? It's new. We've got to adapt. But talk to me about resilience because, uh, there's so much new out there that we don't even know is coming our way. And I think that trait is underestimated. And I think we've got to just roll up our sleeves and be ready. What are your thoughts? Well, absolutely. And, and what I, I actually don't think of uh, resilience necessarily as a trait. I actually think of it as a learn a, a skill that people can learn. Nice. And, and I think it's a combination of a variety of activities plus attitude. So uh, one of the ways I, I think about it is that being able to handle, and in my book, I talk about eight unpleasant feelings. I think our ability to, our capacity to handle unpleasant feelings is the foundation of resilience. So that we know that if we hit points where we're, where we're cautious or hesitant, or maybe to use the earlier words of fear or anxious, that we know that we can per- persevere or we have the attitude of perseverance. And that we're willing to get in the messiness of unpleasant feelings to handle whatever comes our way. The second would be to ask for help. That asking for help is also, I think of as a, a key element of being resilient. This idea that we don't go it alone. We weren't designed to go it alone. We're social beings. So learning how to ask for help if one doesn't do that is really important. People can engage in, in things like faith or prayer or uh, meditation, exercise, certainly good nutrition, all the basics would be great. And then the other I talk about in terms of resilience 
is actually holding what I would call resilient attitudes. So perseverance, I'm, that I'm going to persevere through uh, difficult times, or I've been through difficult times before, and I can draw on whatever those strengths are. Uh, or asking questions like, how can I use um, every life experience as a learning experience? So despite what I'm going through now, how can I turn that into something that's positive or a, a good adaptive skill for me? Or another one might be, how can I use this time to bring out the best in me? So it's holding resilient attitudes or asking resilient questions that can also make a big difference in terms of how we handle this time. And thank you for the clarity about uh sharing that resilience can be learned, right? So this is something that we can can work on. It also makes me think about recovery. I mean, thank goodness. I'm healthy. My family's healthy. I'm, I hope you're healthy, Joan. But I think, you know, I think about all the people who are struggling with health issues before, during, and after COVID, and then those who are recuperating from COVID. That takes a bit of um, mental fortitude as well as physical strength to recover. Thoughts on that? Well, again, same thing. What I would recommend there, yes, it will. My understanding is, is that for many, it's taking multiple weeks. So it's under. So one would be self compassion. Yeah. Uh, that I would I would hold an optimistic attitude no matter what. That um or or, or start to do self affirmations. They're found to make a, a difference. So my my things to reminding oneself that my body is strong or my body is healing as I speak or as I think about it. Um, my attitude is good. My, you know, I'm just getting stronger and better every day that saying those kinds of things can make a big difference, uh, that as one can generate the energy that, and, and has the energy that it would be obviously, uh, light to moderate light, light exercise as one builds back up. And the other is this, again, this idea of not going it alone. Mm. That, that I just think it's super important for people to stay well connected and there's genuine need here and not to be shy about asking for help where there's genuine need. So yeah. it's, it's like, it's like be, allow yourself to be human as we are and to accept, graciously accept the, the help that you need. Beautifully put. So it's an interesting time. I'm looking at so many businesses, large and small, who have had to think very entrepreneurially, even if they've been established for for decades, to pivot in this new time, to think about, okay, how do we keep uh, the profit and loss sheet in the black, right? When, When the business model as we know it has changed. And you have some thoughts about entrepreneurs and even coaches during this time. I, yeah, I do. I, yes, I do. I, I really believe it's important for coaches and entrepreneurs to see two things. One is it's an important time for, the, the, for each one of us to establish our relevance during this time. Mm. And, and the, the second is it's super important to lead. There is no greater time where leadership is is required or is is invited or demanded. So so the two things that I would really highlight, one would be maintain your relevance or establish your relevance during this time. You know, contribute and contribute generously. And the, and then the second or third depending on how you looked at the first one is is 
to, uh, so it's relevance, contribution, and then the third would be leadership. This is a time for you to step up and lead. So, you know, my challenge is to in, invite entrepreneurs and coaches to do just that. Beautifully put. Joan, when you were on the show last time, we were talking about your book, 90 Seconds to a Life You Love, How to Master Your Difficult Feelings to Cultivate Lasting Confidence, Resilience, and Authenticity. My goodness, is that relevant now? Uh, any, any thoughts or you know action steps for this global audience? And, and it's so hard. The book is extraordinary. It's so hard to sum it up into one or two action steps. But you know, something short and actionable that, that an audience member can say, okay, I can do this today. Well, again, one, one would be going back to the central premise of the book, and that is expand your capacity to handle unpleasant feelings, to allow yourself to experience and move through them, because that's an important element of being able to make your, your way through difficult times. And then the second thing that I would really offer up is that I want people to think to speak and to act in the direction that they want to go so that so that if they're if they want to have a a life that's forward moving then you've got to think in that direction and not not get lost in doubt and questioning and negative self-talk but instead to always keep in mind this idea of thinking speaking and acting in the direction you want to go Dr. Joan Rosenberg, I always learned so much from you. Thank you for your generosity and spending time with me today. I am so grateful. I wish you well. I, I hope all of us get through this quicker, right? It sounds like there's some light at the end of the tunnel there, and I'm grateful for your time today. Thank you so much. Like I said, always honored uh, to have the opportunity to serve. Thanks, Joan. Take good care. Okay. And if you if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new audience members find us online. And I want to give special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. We all wish you the best of health and peace of mind during COVID-19 shelter in place. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Please take good care and be well.